What's up, what's up, what's up, Salt Company? How we doing? Yeah, that uh that little table topic, the dating advice. What did did anybody did anybody have a bad bad dating advice they wanted to share? Somebody? Anybody? No? You got it? What is it? That's honestly. That's pretty darn good. She could say worse things actually. She could say worse things. For me the worst dating advice I ever gotten was you know, she could be the greatest girl in the world, but if you don't like how she smells, I don't think you should go any further. That was from my grandpa's, one of my grandpa's best friends told me that. He was like, yeah, he's a great girl. He's like, does she smell good? And I'm like, um, excuse me? No, anyway. So, all right, I know that was kind of a weird transition to get me on stage, but uh, old man advice, I guess. But first off, can y'all see me good? I decided to wear a black sweatshirt and I realized there's a black bat drop. So if I'm just like a floating head or like floating palms, y'all, y'all can see me pretty good? I can see you pretty good, <laughs> more or less. Um, okay, my name's Dylan and I am on staff with Salt Company and I am so glad to be up here. Yeah, just to bring the word of God. We're going through a parable series and we're on week three. I think so. Yeah, week three of the parables and we're gonna be diving into the parable of the sower. So right off the bat, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions to kind of just get us kind of get us going on this parable. So, have you ever shared the gospels for the believer in the room? Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody like super excitedly and eagerly and then it it pretty much once that conversation's over, it just kind of feels like you might as well just been talking to a brick wall. You're like, "Oh man, like you get it?" and like, "Jesus." And they're like, yeah, like, what's for lunch, man? You're like, oh, okay, cool, uh, awkward. Or what about, like, you know, you had this friend in high school that was maybe, like, the goody two-shoes, right? And, like, she always, you know, went to church with her family, was, like, the good kid. And then maybe, like, you saw on Instagram or something, like, one of her stories or something like that, and you're like, what? This person has completely changed from what they were then to what they are now? Is that, that kind of jogging your memory? Or what about the exact opposite? There's that person he knew growing, growing up, growing up, yeah, growing up, and words are hard, and, uh, and you're like, there's no way that person will ever find themselves in a church building or anything religious, and then maybe just a year later, maybe you've seen them again, and you're like, wow, your life has completely changed. So maybe you can't relate to any of those things, or maybe you can relate to all of those things, or maybe that could be your life right now. Um, And our goal tonight is to read the parable of the sower and explain not only how the Lord can work through any types of soil, which we're going to learn about, but also the challenges that the followers of Christ are going to have to battle through um, as we continue to learn what it means to to grow and sow God's gospel message uh, to the ends of the earth. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 13, but before we start, let's bow heads and pray. Dear God, uh, thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to steward your word, Lord. I pray for tonight, as we read through Matthew 13 and some other verses, God, that it would be your word speaking and not mine. Lord, you've, you've given us incredible gift by your word, Lord. I pray that we would, we would not take it lightly. We would take it serious. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so before we crack in, 
to Matthew chapter 13, I just want to talk a little bit about what parables are. I know Tim has done a great job the past couple of weeks of explaining what parables are, but they're, they're a story that Jesus uses to explain a point or an aspect of the kingdom of heaven or himself, Jesus Christ himself. And it has, these stories ultimately have very deep inter, eternal implications. But the coolest thing about it is that whether they were a believer in Christ or they weren't a believer in Christ, you could have completely different points of view from the different stories that we're going to walk through. And so kind of like what I like to think about it is Jesus would be telling the story to, the group, to this group of people. We're going to see who these people are pretty soon. And what can happen, what, what can happen is after the story or during the story being taught, they can kind of stay on the outside of the door of understanding and maybe just pick up a couple of things. Oh, I need to be a better person. Oh, I need to care for people better. In this case, oh, maybe I'm not a very good farmer, whatever that situation might be. But if the gospel mess, there's a gospel message hidden in these stories and, and they'll be able to step in and give a greater understanding um, if, if your heart is ready for it. And so that's, that, that's really, there's a lot of truth of the gospel that's here. And, and so that's why I want you guys to encourage y'all to listen to this passage that we're going to be walked through. So that's my encouragement to y'all as we crack into Matthew chapter 13. So let's open it up. It's going to be in the blue Bible, if you have it, page 477. We're going to read just the first three or so verses to get going. All right, the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. Okay, I want to give you all a little bit of context before we dig any deeper into this story. So Jesus walks out of this house next to the Sea of Galilee, right? So Galilee is this region of Israel. That's it's actually a pretty rough part of town, right? He's walking out. This is actually the area that he grew up. He grew up in Nazareth, which is a little town in the region of Galilee. And I wanted to just take a second to just talk about this really cool point of the story because how easily, you know, we see Jesus in, in these paintings or stained glass or whatever it is. And we think that he's just so detached from us, right? But here Jesus is in this story, walking out of somebody's home and just hanging out. And like, he's in his hometown, right? And what I love about it even more is this isn't like, um, he grew up to like a rich family. This isn't like he was um, part of, you know, he was a super powerful man, I guess, in terms of status. He was just a common guy, right? The area of Galilee was just blue collar, farmers, workers, fishermen. There's really nothing special about it. And honestly, as I've done some research, it was kind of the hood. Like it was kind of like the hood of Israel. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, Jesus was, you know, the child of Elon Musk, right? And like Silicon Valley or like, you know, the president of the United States in DC. This was like, I was like, this is like he like grew up in like Youngstown, Ohio. It's like, this is him. This is like Jesus Christ grew up in Compton. Okay. Like good kid, mad city, right? Like this is, this is Jesus. This is kind of where he came from. Okay. And what I love about it is that like, it just, it makes, it makes the story of Jesus that so much more real. Like no human could make this stuff up. He was just a common guy. And that's all we can relate to him. And so as he was gaining popularity as a healer and a teacher and a, a, a leader in this area, 
the locals were just going crazy. And so what I think about is, of course, you know, Joe Burrow, right? Just like Athens, Ohio kid, wins the national championship in college. And now, you know, maybe he's got a Super Bowl chance. So I don't want to like compare him to Jesus as like a savior or anything, but like, hopefully he's the savior on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, hopefully that's the case. But anyway, so like people down in Louisiana love them. We up in Ohio love them. The people in this part of town, they love Jesus because they're like, finally, like somebody, somebody's out here doing stuff. And so that's why he's, he's literally got to get into a boat and like paddle out a little bit so that he can actually teach without people swarming all around him. The other cool thing about this too is that this parable is going to be something that we may not be able to connect very well to, but for them, they're going to connect super well to this story, okay? And so we're going to dig into that in a second. So let's keep reading. Verses three through nine, let's go. And he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. So our first goal here is to break down the three main characters, or I guess the three main themes in this story. You have the sower, the seed, and the soil. So we're going to try to get through this because there's, there's actually a lot of imagery in this, in this parable. So we're just going to be, you know, plugging and chugging. But um, y'all can always talk in connection groups with people afterwards, you know, if you feel like I may have skipped over something. But this is really good stuff. So I'm excited to dive into it. So let's talk about the sower. So no, this isn't somebody that's knitting. Okay, this is a farmer. This is a farmer that is sowing seeds. Okay, and who this represents in the story, this is God. This is God the Father. This is the creator of the universe that created all of us. He is the farmer, the sower represented in the story. And so you can go, okay, cool. Like you're the creator of the universe, but like, it doesn't sound like you're a very good farmer. It's kind of sounds like you're just like chucking this stuff all over the place. Like some of it's landed on the sidewalk, some it's landed on the rocks and the thorns. Like, what are you doing, God? So for us in this context, it makes sense how we wouldn't really be able to understand. But for these guys that don't have John Deere tractors, right? Like in, you know, genetically modified, you know, whatever the O is on GMOs, I forgot what it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't have all of that. So I've actually done this before. It's called broadcasting and not like radio, television broadcasting. They'd have a bag of seeds and they'd just scoop it up and they would just do this motion and just walk throughout the field. And it, it's literally broadcasting. So yeah, it's actually a literal translation of that. And what's shown here is that the sower here, he is just throwing indiscriminately. They also didn't till the soil before they planted. They actually just scattered the seeds and that was like their method. Like hopefully, you know, it'll get in there and produce good soil. So uh, one, thank you, modern farming for like giving us food whenever we want it. But also this is, this is what the people could understand because as Jesus is explaining the story, I guarantee you there's probably people out in the fields around them doing this exact same thing as he's teaching. So just to get y'all into that context a little bit more. So why is this, why is this important for us? Is because the farmer, God, sows his seed indiscriminately. And I, I wanna, to, to understand why that's so valuable, we need to talk about what the seed is. And I'm gonna camp on this for a second because the seed is the word of God. 
what is the word of God? If y'all would, flip over with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. It's page 517, if you'd like. But it says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The word of God is... (laughs) Is God's spoken word, yes, that created the heavens and the earth, that separated the waters in Genesis chapter one, that created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, but it's also Jesus Christ himself. It says that the word of God became flesh, right? It says that he was the light of men. It says in the next verse, um, is the light and the darkness has not overcome it. What is so cool about this is that the word of God, Jesus Christ himself, think about it. He came down to earth. He was sowed to the earth in human form. He lived the perfect life that you and I could not live, right? We were destined for destruction because of our disobedience in Jesus, by our disobedience in Christ. But because of Christ's perfect love and his perfect walk here on earth, his death, burial, and resurrection was like a seed being planted into the ground, right? And three days later, it brought forth life. It brought forth resurrection life. So it's the gospel, yes. But it's also the life that has come from that, right? Because of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, we now get these things called the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to flip through over to Galatians real quick. I'm going to be flipping as fast as I can. Little thumbs are working overtime. Um, We're going to be Galatians 5, 22, page 567. You can can stay in Matthew and do whatever you want. Verse 22, this this is the fruit that is produced from this seed. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, where is this fruit, where is this seed being planted? And that's where we have to go down to the soil. If the farmer is God and the seed is, is the word of God, Jesus Christ, the gospel message being sown across humanity, then what is the soil? The soil is the hearts of men. And that's, and that's where that when the seed falls, when the good news falls, it's, it's so that we shall receive the gospel and also respond and grow to what the Lord may have for us. So I just want to ask all a question, Salt Company. Do we know that one of the greatest desires of God is to save the hearts of men? that he sows the seed indiscriminately. doesn't matter who you are. It's not like he was doing it poorly. He, he intentionally scattered the seed on all these different types of soil because he loves and cares for us so deeply. I want, to, want y'all to know as well, for the believers in this room, that we're also called, now that we have that message, we're also called to, to share the gospel indiscriminately because we can't see what the hearts of men are, but only God can. So our call is to continue to cast out that seed. We're going to talk about that in a little. I don't want to get ahead of time. So if we're talking about all these different types of soil, we got to break it down. What are these different types of soil represented by the hearts of men or the other way around? Hearts of men represented by the soil. Well, thankfully, this is one of my most favorite parables because if you just go like a paragraph over, Jesus is awesome and he actually explains it. So, yeah, you know, if you don't like what I'm saying, just read verse 18 through 23 because that's what we're going to be going through. It literally is titled in the Blue Bible, The Parable of the Sower Explained. So here we go. Verse 18. 
Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the, the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Kind of got ahead of myself a little bit, but we want to actually take some time and break down what each of these soils are and the enemies that are going to be coming after the hearts of men, okay? So in the first one, it says that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown. So this is like, like, what is the evil one, right? Okay, this is the devil. This is the accuser. This is the one that desires nothing more than to separate us from the love of Christ, okay? Now, we have a lot of, you know, visions of the devil and stuff in our popular culture, but let me just tell you what the devil is. He doesn't want to be your friend. He doesn't want to be your buddy. He wants to lure you, entice you, and then devour you. Okay, it says in First Peter that the devil is like a, literally a prowling lion that is roaming back and forth looking for someone to devour. And so I want to just give a couple of little examples right here. You know, maybe you got invited by a friend to come check out Salt Company tonight. Maybe you're just being polite and you didn't want to, you know, make anybody upset, but you really don't have any desire to really dig in to the word of God. You're just doing it to be kind and you kind of just flipped off a little switch in your mind. And then once I'm done talking and the music starts playing, you know, what, you know, just keep on going, right? Or maybe, and this was my case for 16 years, maybe you grew up in church and you've just been coming to church every single week, you know, like it's nothing, more of like a ritual than like a desire, right? But really still that, that switch is flipped off. And what's happening there is when the word of God is spoken, it's landing on your heart but we're not letting it really sink in deep. And what's happening is the devil is coming along like the birds on the pathway, right? Birds love bird feeder, right? They love seeds. They're going to come in after it. The devil will swoop in and take the word of God away from our hearts. This also is applicable for the believer in this room too. You know, think about, I think that the devil's most popular, <laughs> most powerful distract, as a tactic is distracting, Right? Right now, there's probably a sports game going on. Might have gotten a Snapchat, YouTube video. I always think whenever I drive home after Salt Company, I typically just blast my music on like 11. I don't know why, just something I do. But I don't take time to actually think about the message that's been taught. And just like that, the devil uses that distraction to maybe sweep up the word of God that's been planted. Let's keep going. Let's look at the stony ground. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So you got to think about the context of this passage. This actually wasn't just like the sower throwing it into like uh, a soil that there's a bunch of gravel or something. It's actually a region of Galilee. They would have really fertile soil. And then it was also coupled with soil that um, maybe had been a few inches deep that looked really rich, but in reality actually had these huge slabs of limestone that were under it, okay? So it looks like fertile ground. So once the seed is, is, is sown over this, the roots go down as fast as they can because that's gonna be a little bit warmer soil, right? And seeds need heat 
to open up. And anyway, we'd have to get into like whatever agronomy or whatever it is, horticulture, something like that. Um, I graduated in business. So um, when the seeds shoot down, they're going to go down quick because that's going to be warmer soil. And then so everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, like this is this crop's doing great. But because it's warmer soil, because it's shallow, roots need to go down deep to survive. And the sun comes up. That's what it said in the first section. The sun comes up and it withers away. What reminds me of this in, in, in our day and age right now, I don't know if any of y'all grew up going to like summer camps or something like that, but I think about like a summer Christian camp where you're there for a week and like, it's just, everybody's just like on fire for Jesus. Maybe y'all can relate, maybe you can't. And you're like, man, like, I'm just like, I, like it's this big emotional response that we have. You're like, man, I'm gonna pray every second of my life and I'm gonna memorize like, you know, all of the Old Testament in like a week. Like, I'm gonna tell everybody about Jesus, even the ones that don't speak my language and like, like all this stuff. Like, and then like, you know, school gets back in session and it's like, man, I've, I don't remember any of that stuff. That was a little bit of my story. Uh, I, I wanna warn y'all too, because this is, this emotional response is a huge part of our Christian culture in America right now. It's how do you feel? How is your emotional response to Jesus? Now, I don't want to just umbrella all of that um, under just the stony ground, but the point is this. It, it takes more than just emotional response, okay? The Lord cares about our mind, about our heart. He's created us. He loves us so deeply. And so even when you're not feeling like Jesus loves you, he does. He truly, deeply, and sincerely does. So that's what's going on here. It says in verse 21, it says that he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, remember, account of that tiny little seed, immediately he falls away. Now I want to break down real quickly tribulation and persecution. Okay, tribulation, that's like pretty intense words, like tribulations. Um, that's what I, when I read that, that's what my voice goes to. Um, okay, we live in a broken world. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, because of our brokenness, brokenness exists in our world. And so I have to ask you, like, you know, when you get that phone call that someone in your family is ill, or when you bomb that final that you've been studying for, or when, you know, he breaks up with you, or you don't get into the graduate program, or you don't get the co-op, I mean, you could go down a whole trail. That's what the tribulations are. It's these exterior this exterior brokenness that's, that exists. Like, will you be shaken? Or will, are your roots deep down in the word of God? Are your roots deep down in prayer? Are your, your roots deep down in understanding how much Jesus loves you? And are you surrounded in community where you can run to them and they can, they can, they can, they can hold tight to you and remind you the truth? And persecution is the next one. Persecution is when other people genuinely call you out for the faith of your belief in Christ. It's, it's like this. Somebody comes up to you after salt company and you, you know, your roommate, you know, where were you? Oh, is that salt company? What is that? You explain to them. They go, you really believe that crap? You really believe this ancient book? A bunch of garbage. What a waste of time. If we're not rooted, if our roots aren't going down deep, I mean, that can shake us. If you don't have somebody to call, if you can't get on your hands and knees, how easily will it be when, when, when the temperature gets turned up? You know, are we going to wither away? 
That is the stony ground. I'm pretty depressing right now. Jeez. All right, let's keep going. It's not getting any better right now. It's going to get better before it gets worse. Before, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Sorry. <laughs> the, the thorns. The thorns are starting in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I feel like the thorns is the one that's the most applicable to us. Straight up, I think so, at least in my own life. I don't think this is a hard-hearted person. I don't think this is an apathetic person. I think this is somebody that's, that's overcrowded. It's a heart that's crowded. So I, I just want to tell you all this, and this, I'm not just you know, trying to teach y'all sworn or anything like that, but like y'all are probably the most, you know, in this room, probably the most intellectual, genuine, charming, go-getters, determined, successful group of college students I've met. You know, I went to LSU, but, you know, it's not really, don't even compare, honestly. Y'all are so sharp, right? Like, I am, I'm just blown away. And it says the two things that the thorns will come and choke you out will be the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Okay, the cares of this world. Y'all, if y'all haven't noticed yet, it takes like a lot to survive, okay? I was like, man, what do I do every day to make sure that like I don't die? I'm like, okay, I'm like, wake up, I'm like brush my teeth, right? It's like kind of easy, you know? Make sure my clothes are washed, make sure like the dishes are clean, make sure we have food in the fridge, you know, make sure that, you know, we're, we're working, we're making money to survive, make sure we have warm clothes, we've got to make sure the car is taken care of. Oh man, and then you, you add things on and I need to make sure I pass my test, I need to make sure, you know, I'm staying fit for spring break coming up pretty soon. You know, I got to make sure that I get the co-op, I got to make sure I get the raise, you know, I got to make sure, you know, make sure the marriage is going well, the kids are doing good, they're, they're getting to soccer practice, the grandkids, this, that, retirement, and you just keep on going and, and, and you realize, wow, have I ever made time for God? It's the cares of this world that just kind of come up and can choke. I, I, uh, I worked with my family for about a year and a half, and it's one of the scariest conversations I've ever had. I was telling my, uh, I was telling my cousin that I was going to go work at a, at a new job, and he was like, all right, Dylan, you know, I'm really proud of you, man. And just remember this, one day you'll just wake up one morning and you'll be 40 years old. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, I hope not. I hope, I hope I realize when that's happening. I hope I don't just wake up. And is that, realize where, like, is that moment where I realized in the cares of this world, he just woke up and he's like, this is my life now. He's a great guy, by the way. He's not, you know, he's an awesome guy. But it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, man, this life is but a vapor. But the cares of this world sweep us away. The other one is the deceitfulness of riches, y'all. And I feel like y'all already resonating with this. Co-ops, good grades, internships, cars, all this stuff. Riches promise a lot that they cannot deliver. I heard this quote. I have no idea who it's from. But it says, uh, I think it was from a rap or something. But it said, uh, buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. (laughs) That is what riches are, okay? It's so inconvenient to be a Christian right? Because these are the things that we have to battle on a day-to-day basis. Coming through distractions from the enemy, 
the desires of the emotional, you know, wanting, the lusts of the flesh, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, it can seem like it is so difficult, it's even worth it. And that's where we get to the final soil. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. Okay. I don't know if there's any retail investors in the house, but if I woke up tomorrow morning and I saw that my stocks went up 30x, oh my gosh, you better believe. That's, that, that is crazy. 30 times, and he's not saying 30 times. He's not just saying 60 times. He's saying this fruit from this one little seed is going to bear a hundred times that with what was planted. That is crazy. This is the person who she hears the word, she understands the word, and she bears fruit. And I'm not talking about just winners of the soul. This isn't saying, okay, when you become a believer, when you start growing in the word, you're just gonna be saving hundreds of people left and right. I don't think that's what this passage is saying. Remember, we got to go back to the fruit of the spirit. I don't think it's just winners of the soul. I think that it's actually growing in the knowledge of the savior of God and having your life produce the fruit of the spirit. It says at the end, I'm going to flip back to Galatians real quick. I should have had that, you know, dog-eared or something. Um, but it says in verse 24, right after it just listed all of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, etc. It says that those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Y'all, we can't have both. We can't have the, the passions and the desires of the flesh and also have this abundant life that can only come through Christ. And it says, actually, what we need to do to have that is actually crucify the flesh, actually put to death our own desires, put to death the desire for riches put to death the, the apathy or the distractions and know that even when that doesn't happen, even when we fail to know that Jesus Christ has still died for us, that he still loves us, that he still cares for us and that that little seed is going to grow. I, uh, so I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and there's this beautiful tree down there called the, like, it's called a live oak. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's not like rare or anything, but, uh, it's, it's this absolutely beautiful tree. And when I was little, we used to, in the summertime, we would ride bikes everywhere. I mean, everywhere all over the city. Like I, I remember being outside all day. It was fantastic. This weather, it, it hurts me. It really does deep to my core. Um, I miss being outside. And, uh, I remember we had our little BMX bikes and we used to like pop wheelies and stuff, like get like really sick air. We'd probably go like that far off the ground. You know what I'm saying? But my favorite part about it was on the sidewalk when the concrete would be popped up because of a tree and you could just, and you'd pedal and like, yeah, and like pop a huge wheelie, which was probably super embarrassing if I looked back at it now. But like, it was so much fun to hop around on that concrete on the side of the road. I don't know if any of y'all can relate to that. But the reason it was all broken up was because there was a tree there. And as I was kind of going through this and I was thinking about, man, that massive tree was just a little seed just a little baby seed. Maybe it just fell under there right when they poured it. And 
one year, five years, 20 years. These things can live to be like over 100 years old, easy. And literally the strength of that one seed over so many years, it's not only destroyed the concrete that's in its way, but it's also become a shade tree, a gorgeous tree that has provided shade and just, just joy for everybody that's around it. That's what, the, that's what the Christian life is like. And so as the believers, I want to talk to the believer in this room first. What is, what is our job now after reading this passage? For the believers, I try to boil it down as simple as I could. And I think it's this. I think it's take heart and keep sowing the seed. Y'all, remember the farmer is God. He's the one that is going to make results. In 1 Corinthians, let me flip over to it. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7, it says this. Sorry, thought I had it. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7, it says this. I planted, this is Paul speaking, I planted, Apollos watered, he's another believer at the time, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God is the only one that can turn hearts from death into life. As the believer sharing the gospel, that's our calling. That's what, that's what we're called to do. And not just sharing the gospel, but living the gospel in our own lives, in our day-to-day lives, whether you know, it's in the architecture building, whether it's at, at a school teaching, whether it's in your co-op, whether it's right here, right now, whether it's back home with your families. Our call is to share the gospel and to live our lives in a reflection of that. But only God is the one that's going to give the growth. Secondly, do not be deceived. This is also for the believer. I had the chance, I was thinking about it, it was over like almost four years ago. Um, I had the chance to go overseas to East Asia and I got to share the gospel to students uh, for, for about two months over the summertime. It was just an incredible experience. And I don't want to get too much in, in the weeds there. What I'm talking about? A little, little farmer joke. Anyway, sorry, that was bad. Um, but to, to kind of wrap up the story as quickly as I can, they were, they were, we were finishing the entire summer. We had so many stories being told about what the Lord had done. About 150 students there. And as they closed down, I saw the, I saw the head of the organization sitting at the front row. And I was like, man, I just want to talk to the guy. So I walked over there and I sat next to him. He had tears in his eyes. And I was like, heck yeah, man. Like, how awesome was that? And he, and he goes, yeah, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. He said, but I just think, you know, five years from now, how many of these students that came on this trip will actually still be walking the walk and talking the talk, will actually be following Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? He had tears in his eyes thinking about this. And, you know, that was about four years ago, maybe a little bit more. And I, and I have to ask myself that question, God, who, who there is? Is still, is still walking after Christ, desiring to walk after Christ. Do not be deceived, y'all. The devil, your own flesh, yeah, your very own body and the world around us, they're gonna do everything they can, constantly attacking us. But remember that God's word is powerful. Even if it's just a little seed, it will grow and it will break through the concrete, right? It will become a shade tree. So remember, cling to the gospel. And then for the non-believer in this room, first off, I'm just so glad you're here. This is why we created Salt Company, for anyone and everyone to come in here 
and to hear the word of God. That, that, is, that is the hope, that there would be life transformation in the campus, in the city, and, and across the world. Um, so I'm so glad you're here. I just want to leave this with, all, with this question. Have you ever allowed the gospel to just sit there and just, and just, just rest in your heart for even a moment? Because right now, your soul is not okay. It's not. It may feel like it's okay, but it's not okay. It, to keep on with this, you know, farmer analogy, it is dry, cracked, broken ground that is in need of a farmer to come in and cultivate it. And the only way that's going to happen is by the truth of the gospel to penetrate your heart. So I just wanted to ask you that. Whether you've been coming to church service like this your entire life and you've just flipped off the switch, or if this is your first time ever, I want to ask you that. Has the truth of the gospel really taken time to take root in your life? And it can be that tonight. Let's take a minute and pray. We'll get back up on stage and start singing. Lord, I am so grateful to be doing what I do, Lord. Um, Thank you for blessing me with the opportunity to read through a passage that, honestly, I could probably speak on for hours more. (laughs) God, I pray that your word, not mine, would be the one that's fallen on people's hearts. Whether the ground is stony by the wayside, thorny ground covered in weeds, God, or good ground in this room. God, I pray that you would cultivate the soil because we know, man, that we can water, we can plant, God, but only you're the one that gives growth. Lord, I pray against any deceitfulness from the devil, any of our flesh that tries to take us away from the desires of your love and your joy, God, in this wicked world that we're around, that we wouldn't be afraid of it, God, but that we would stand strong, that we would be rooted in your truth, Jesus. God, I pray for the students in this room that five years from now, that they can look back and go, praise God, I'm walking with the Lord. And that that little seed that may have been planted in the past few months or even tonight would be a tree that people can, can sit under and find shade and find comfort. Lord, ultimately, thank you for Jesus Christ for dying for our sins and being that seed that has sprung forth life. Because it's not just a regular life, but it's abundant life. We're thankful, Lord. Amen.